0: On today's story session, a tale about a king's short-sighted promise and the horrible, insane, disgusting consequences. This is All Fur. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to The Shadow of Our Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be. Which, in my opinion, just made them way better and more entertaining. So we're going through the original versions of Grimm's Fairy Tales, story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons compared to the actual lessons of each story. And at the end, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. Let's get right to it with today's tale, titled All Fur. We Begin. Once upon a time, there was a king who had the most beautiful wife in the world, and her hair was pure gold. They had a daughter together, and she was just as beautiful as her mother, and her hair was just as golden. Okay, so, all great so far. One day, the queen became sick, and when she felt she was about to die... Well, that took a pretty sharp turn there. She called the king to her and made a request. If after her death he wanted to marry again, he should only take someone who was as beautiful as she was and who had golden hair like hers. Once the king promised her that, she died. Why would she make that request? Why would she want him to marry someone exactly like her? (laughs) Oh, okay. Is this like how when women see their ex-boyfriend with a girl who looks exactly like them, they think to themselves, See, I knew it. I knew he never got over me. Now he's just trying to find the next best thing, but nothing beats the original. Yeah, maybe maybe this is just a super intense, old-timey version of that. <laughs> we continue. For a long time, the king was so distressed that he didn't think about his second wife. Finally, his counselors urged him to remarry. So the messengers were sent to all the princesses in the world, but none of them were as beautiful as the dead queen, nor could they find such golden hair anywhere in the world. Yeah, that golden hair thing really kind of screwed him over in terms of options, because beauty is subjective. So you can be like, hey, she's, she's beautiful as well, just as beautiful, but it's pretty obvious how golden someone's hair is or is not. So kind of in a corner there. Now, one day, the king cast his eye on his daughter. Okay, come on. Come on, now, please don't go down this road. Story, please. Uh. okay, I already know this is gonna be real bad. Well, can't put off the inevitable. Let's charge ahead. And when he saw that her features were very similar to those of her mother, and that she also had such golden hair, he thought... Since you won't find anyone as beautiful in the world, you must marry your daughter. No. No, King. You must not. That's not what you think in that moment. You think, well, my wife would definitely prefer me to marry someone with slightly less golden hair than to marry our fucking daughter, so let's just forget about the specifics of her request. She's dead anyway. Ah, come on, man. Come on, man, your wife would not have wanted this. You agreed to her weird request because she was dying. You agreed just to give her some peace of mind. You looked for a hot, golden-haired lady, and nobody stacked up, so, so just forget about it at that point. Fucking hell. All right, we continue. And right then, he felt such great love for her that he immediately informed his counselors and the princess of his decision. The counselors wanted to talk him out of it. Good, listen to your counselors. Uh, But it was in vain. The princess was totally horrified about his godless intention. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm also a little relieved to know where the story itself stands on this. Like By calling it a godless intention, that makes it clear that the story isn't framing... Marrying your daughter as a super cool thing to do, so thank goodness for that. However, since she was smart, she told the king that he first had to provide her with three dresses one as golden as the sun, one as white as the moon, and one as bright as the stars, and then a cloak made of a thousand kinds of pelts and furs, and each animal in the kingdom had to contribute a piece of its skin to it. Alright, what is this shit now? Animals are probably like, hey, why you gotta bring us into this? We don't really have any skin to spare. Figure out your whole, my dad wants to marry me situation without killing or disfiguring a thousand fucking animals, lady. Alright, we continue. The king had such a passionate desire for her that everyone in his realm was ordered to work. Man, it's really creeping me out that the story is almost going out of its way to express that the king isn't just marrying his daughter because his weird promise to his deceased wife left him with no other options. No, the story is like, he's actually super into this idea now. Like, he can't fucking wait. And that makes it... "'So much worse. Ooh. "'His huntsmen had to catch all the animals "'and take a piece of their skin. "'Thus a cloak was made from their fur, "'and it didn't take long "'before the king brought the princess "'what she had demanded. "'Now the princess said that she would marry him the next day. "'However, during the night, "'she collected the gifts that she had received "'from her fiancé from another kingdom.' Wait, what the fuck? How is this the first we're hearing of this? She's already engaged to someone from another kingdom? Alright, well that guy's gonna be pretty pissed when he hears that his fiance is now marrying her father. Ugh, okay, so the king wants to marry his daughter so bad and is so committed to his wife's stupid promise that he's willing to risk war with another kingdom for breaking off the engagement of his daughter to someone from that kingdom. Well, Alright. Alright, we continue. She collected the gifts that she had received from her fiancé from another kingdom. A golden ring, a little golden spinning wheel, and a little golden reel. And the three dresses. All of which she put into a nutshell. How the fuck did she fit all that in a nutshell? Is she magic? Because that would be pretty useful right about now. Hey, it's happened before where someone is magic and they don't even tell us until like halfway through the folktale. But in any event, she puts it in a nutshell. Then she blackened her face and hands with soot. Put on the cloak made of all kinds of fur and departed. She watched the whole night until she reached a great forest where she was safe. Why was she safe In the forest. She's dressed like an animal in the forest. She could be attacked by wild animals or hunters or anything. Or cannibals from a few stories ago. Which, apparently, there's a lot of cannibals in these old timey folktale forests. Because, yeah, in these folktales, the forest is the most dangerous fucking place there is. (laughs) We continue. Since she was tired, she climbed into a hollow tree and fell asleep. She continued to sleep until it became broad daylight. As it so happened, the king, her bridegroom, was out hunting in the forest. Okay, there's an annotation here which says, quote, Evidently, the princess had never met her fiancé. Prathesis, bridegroom. Okay, so I guess this is the guy who she was engaged to prior to her father saying he's going to marry her? Because without this annotation, we wouldn't even know... If they were referring to her dad or her fiancé, because technically they're both kings and both her fiancé, both her bridegroom. It's a pretty confusing situation all around. But also, she's never met this guy that she's engaged to. I guess it was olden times royalty, so maybe they don't meet each other beforehand. But if their kingdoms are so close that she could walk to this king's hunting grounds in a single night, they should probably have met at some point right? It's like a couple hours in a carriage, if that. I don't know. We continue. When his dogs came to the tree, they started to sniff and run around it. The king sent his huntsmen to see what kind of animal was hiding in the tree. When they returned to him, they said that there was a strange animal lying in it, and they had never seen anything like it in their lives. Its skin was made up of a thousand different kinds of fur, "'and it was lying there asleep. "'Then the king ordered them to catch it "'and tie it on the back of the wagon. "'The huntsmen did this, "'and as they pulled it from the tree, "'they saw it was a maiden. "'Then they tied her on the back of the wagon "'and drove home with her.'" Why can't she just ride in the wagon? That seems needlessly cruel. "'All fur,' they said, "'you do well to work in the kitchen. "'You can carry wood and water "'and sweep up the ashes.'" Then they gave her a little stall beneath the steps. You can live and sleep there. What? Well did they ask her any questions? After getting her out of the tree they didn't even they didn't even ask her name. They're just gonna call her Alfer? The fuck is that? These folk tales. Man, these folktales always do this with women. They just act like they can't even talk or have ideas or explain anything themselves. Because if she'd explained the situation, they 100% would have been on her side, even if this king wasn't already engaged to her. And then the fact that he is engaged to her, obviously she'd be totally taken care of, and everything would be fine. She just explained herself. You know, she probably was. She probably was talking and trying to explain herself, like, You don't understand. My name is Genevieve, or whatever. I'm a princess. My father was gonna marry me, and I had to escape. But they were probably just like, What's it saying? Oh, I, I don't know. It's a woman. Just put her in the kitchen. Alfer. Your name's Alfer now. You're gonna live under the stairs with a bucket and a broom. You like broom? Yes? Women love brooms. She'll, she'll be happy in there. Fucking hell. So this isn't Channing the new king, In the best light. Can she just marry neither of them? Because it sounds like they both suck. (laughs) Alright, we continue. So she had to work in the kitchen where she helped the cook, plucked the chickens, tended the fire, sorted the vegetables, and did all the dirty work. Since she did everything so diligently, the cook was good to her, and sometimes called all fur to him in the evening and gave her some of the leftovers to eat. (laughs) Oh god. Come on, that is so depressing. What, is she just not eating anything otherwise? And why are they still calling her all fur? Just ask her what her name is, you idiots. Or give her a new name. Wait, she's still not wearing that fucking fur coat, is she? God, I hope not. We continue. Before the king went to bed, she had to go upstairs and pull off his boots. And as soon as she would pull one off, he would always throw it... At her head. Oh, God. This is the king she was supposed to marry? (laughs) What a fucking psycho. My God. Okay, so both kings want to marry her, and both of them are insane monsters. Well, hold on. What was even the point of making her dad make those dresses and the fur coat? Because he did that pretty easily, and then she just ran away. Which she would have been able to do just fine without the dresses. The dresses didn't help her at all. It was a super easy task for the king. She should have thought a little harder and come up with actually impossible tasks. The story says she's super smart. But I guess not smart enough to think of an impossible task. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come into play later with the dresses, obviously. But if it does, then it's pure luck and the whole dress thing is still fucking stupid. We continue... So he's throwing the fucking shoes at her head. And so Alfer led a miserable life for a long time. Ah, you beautiful maiden, what shall become of you? Interesting, a little editorializing in the story there. That's a bit uncommon. At one time, a ball was held in the castle and Alfer thought... So now they're just calling... The story is just calling her Alfer. Not even going to give him a name. They, they always do that with the women in these stories. They never give them names. Fucking (laughs) bullshit. So Oliver thought, perhaps now I could see my dear bridegroom once again. Wait, so she does know who her bridegroom is? She does recognize him? Because this implies she recognizes him. But the story told us that she hadn't met him, and so didn't recognize him. And also that he's been throwing boots at her head every night for months, if not years, at this point... I, I don't know. Confusing. So she went to the cook and asked him to allow her to go upstairs for a while, to see the splendor from the doorway. Go ahead, said the cook, but you can't stay longer than half an hour. You've got to sweep up the ashes tonight. So Alfer took her little oil lamp, went into her little stall, and washed the soot off her so that her beauty came to light again like flowers in springtime. Then she took off the fur cloak. She hasn't, fucking hell, she hasn't taken off the fur coat this entire time. And she hasn't washed the soot off her face either. Girl, what the fuck are you doing here? It says she's led a miserable life, quote, for a long time. And she just washes off the soot in her little stall. So we know she would have been able to do this any time previously. Come on, lady. Come on, it, hell. All right, well, we continue. Then she took off the fur cloak, opened the nut, and took out the dress that shone like the sun. Man, so she's just had this magic nut with a bunch of amazing stuff in it this whole time. Why hasn't she used it until now? Use your head, princess. Use your nutshell, that empty nutshell on top of your shoulders. Man, "'When she finally was fully dressed, she went upstairs, and everyone made way for her, "'for they believed that she was nothing less than a distinguished princess who had just come into the ballroom. "'The king immediately offered her his hand and led her forth to dance. "'And as he was dancing with her, he thought, "'This unknown princess resembles my dear bride. "'And the longer he gazed at her, the more she resembled her, "'so that he was almost certain it was her.' Uh, wait. So he recognizes her, but she doesn't recognize him, or maybe she did. How does that work? I'm starting to think this princess is is just kind of stupid. Also, they're dancing, so couldn't he just ask her who she is while they're dancing? Man, I don't. I don't know. When the dance ended, he wanted to ask her. Okay, could have asked her at any time. However, as she finished the dance, she curtsied and disappeared before the king could begin to speak. Well, why'd she do that? She prefers sweeping ashes and being called Alfer and living under the stairs. Who cares about the half an hour, the cook said. The king is dancing with her. The cook can't say shit at that point. Then he asked the guards, but nobody had seen the princess leave the castle. She had quickly run to her little stall, taken off her dress, blackened her face and hands, and put on the fur cloak again. (laughs) Then she went into the kitchen and started to sweep up the ashes. What is she doing? She could have just stayed up there. Nobody recognized her as the furry kitchen girl. Everyone thought she was beautiful and amazing up there. She must be a princess, they thought. She could have just started a whole new life in that moment, and nobody would have ever known what happens to all of her. She would just be a mysterious legend in the kitchen from then on. Why does she insist on wearing soot on her face and the fur coat? I mean, even if she stays working in the kitchen, why wouldn't she wash her fucking face? It makes no sense. I mean they could be like, well, you're beautiful, you should work up in the castle, and we won't throw boots at you anymore. It literally says she's miserable as all fur. Wash a damn face. And do you know how how hot it would be to wear a giant fur coat in a hot kitchen all the time? What is she doing here? What is she doing? This princess is an idiot. <laughs> Fucking hell. We continue. Let it be until morning, the cook said. I want to go upstairs and take a look at the dance. Make a soup for the king to eat, but don't let any hairs fall in. Otherwise, you'll get nothing more to eat. Yeah, I'll bet when your kitchen assistant is just covered in fur, there's probably going to be quite a bit of hair in that food. Alfer cooked a bread soup for the king and then at the end she slipped the golden ring that the king had given to her as a present into the soup all right does she know that this king is her fiance or not because what the fuck is going on i don't understand her actions or decisions here at all all right we continue when the ball came to an end, the king had his bread, soup, brought to him, and it tasted so good that he was convinced that he had never eaten one so good. However, that's literally how it says that in the story. However, when he had finished, he found the ring at the bottom of the bowl. As he looked at it carefully, he saw that it was his wedding ring, and was puzzled. He couldn't grasp how the ring came to be there, and so he had the cook summoned, and the cook became angry with for her. Quote, you must have certainly let a hair fall into the soup. If that's true, you'll get a beating. I thought she just wasn't going to get any more food. That's what he said would be the consequence if hair got into it before. Now he's going to beat her? Man, life really sucks for Alfer. If only she had some means of improving things for herself. Uh, We continue. However... When the cook went upstairs, the king asked him who had cooked the soup, because it had been better than usual. So the king had to confess that Alfur had made it, and the king ordered him to send all up to him. When she came, the king said, "'Who are you, and what are you doing in my castle? Where did you get the ring that was in the soup?' Then she replied, "'I'm nothing but a poor child whose mother and father are dead.' I'm nothing and I'm good for nothing, except for having boots thrown at my head. I also know nothing about the ring. Upon saying that, she ran away. (laughs) Oh my god. What the fuck is wrong with this girl? She literally just said, I'm good for nothing except for having boots thrown at my head. I, I don't even know what to say to this. But I also like how she did this fun little rhyme and then threw in at the end, I also know nothing about the ring, which totally ruined her clever little rhyme scheme. <laughs> but just, just wanted to make that clear as well. Fucking hell. Man, this girl sucks at everything. What is happening? Sometime later, there was another ball. And once again, Alfer asked the cook's permission to go upstairs. The cook allowed her, but only for half an hour, and then she was to return and cook the bread soup for the king. So, Alfer went to her little stall, washed herself clean, took out the dress as silvery as the moon, and cleaner and more sparkling than fallen snow. When she appeared upstairs, the dance had already begun. The king offered his hand to her again and danced with her. He no longer doubted that she was his bride. Okay, good, this is clear now. For nobody in the world except her had such golden hair. (laughs) Right, forgot about that. Super identifiable. However, when the dance was over, the princess had already departed once again, and despite all his efforts, the king couldn't find her, and he hadn't even spoken a single word to her. Hey, man, talk to her during the dance. This was olden times. Dancing was just basically walking in a circle with you and your partner, like, holding your hands pressed together like a constant high-five sort of position. It's pretty It's pretty quiet, calm dancing. You could ask her a question. And he was certain it was her by this point. And yet, the golden hair. We've established that this girl is the most beautiful girl in the world with the most golden hair in the world. In other words... She has super distinct features. She should be recognized immediately. And word that she's there should have gotten back to her father after the first time she danced at the ball. And this king here should be well aware that his fiancée had vanished from her kingdom and gone missing after her father tried to marry her. That should have gotten out by now. This king should have just grabbed her and been like, "You're here, great, good job escaping your insane dad. Let's get married now." I, I still don't understand why she's playing this weird cat and mouse game with this king, and I still don't know if she knows that he's her fiance. She must. I. She. He must. She must. This is so unclear. There's such a mixed messages going on here. Man, we continue. Indeed, she was all again, with blackened hands and face. She stood in the kitchen and cooked the bread soup for the king, while the cook went upstairs to watch the dance. When the soup was done, she put the golden spinning wheel into the bowl. The king ate the soup, and it seemed even better this time. When he found the golden spinning wheel at the bottom, he was even more astonished, because he had at one time sent it to his bride as a present. The cook was summoned, and then all But once again, she replied that she knew nothing about it and that she was only there to have boots thrown at her head. (laughs) Oh my god, this fucking princess. If you're the king, you gotta just be like, "All right, look, what's going on here? You're fucking with me. Tell me what's going on. Wipe that soot off your face and take off that weird fur coat. I want to see what you actually look like. Why are you still wearing all that shit anyway? Can't you clean yourself? We found you like that months ago. You smell disgusting. I know that's not what you look like. Show me what you look like. Man, I mean, okay. I would actually understand if the princess didn't want to marry the guy who throws boots at her head every night. This king is a fucking asshole. But if that's the case, and she'd prefer to just be a starving, soot-faced, fur-covered kitchen beast, then why is she playing this little game with the dresses and the ring and the spinning wheel. Who fucking knows? Who knows? This girl clearly isn't thinking this through, and is just kind of stumbling through whatever the hell is happening. God, this story is a mess. We continue. When the king held a ball for the third time, he hoped his bride would come again. Bet she will, and he wanted to make sure to hold on to her. Alfer asked the cook again to let her go upstairs, but he scolded her and said, You're a witch. You always put something in the soup and can cook it better than I do. (laughs) However, since she pleaded so passionately and promised to behave herself, he let her go upstairs again for half an hour. Yeah, she's really playing with fire by fucking with this cook. (laughs) Uh, Thereupon, she put on the dress that sparkled as bright as the stars in the night, and went upstairs and danced with the king. Okay, how is she getting upstairs? Wouldn't the cook see her leave her stall under the stairs in her radiant dresses and walking up the stairs? Someone's going to see her do all of this. The king thought he had never seen her more beautiful. As they were dancing, however, he slipped a ring onto her finger and ordered the dance to last for a very long time. Nevertheless, he couldn't hold on to her, nor could he speak a single word to her, for when the dance was over, she mingled with the people so quickly that she vanished before he turned around. How do you lose her again, King? You just put a ring on her finger. Just keep holding her hand. Just hold on to her. These fucking people, man. Alfer ran to her little stall, and since she had been away longer than half an hour, right, because of the super long dance, she undressed quickly. In her hurry, she couldn't blacken herself completely, so that a finger remained white. Just a finger? Just that last finger? She had time to do everything else, but just just couldn't get that last finger. Uh, When she went into the kitchen, the cook was already upstairs, and she quickly cooked the bread soup and put the golden reel into it. Just as he had found the ring and the golden spinning wheel, the king also found the reel. Now he knew for sure that his bride was nearby, for nobody else could have possessed the presence, yeah, you should have figured that out after the last time. Alfer was summoned and wanted once again to avoid the king and run away. However, as she tried to run off, the king caught sight of the white finger on her hand and held her tight. Hold on, it says he held her tight because he caught sight of the white finger. It doesn't say he held her tight because he saw the ring. It says he saw her white finger. What, he didn't realize she had fingers before? Like, just learning her ethnicity, the color of her skin, was the giveaway? This is bullshit. (laughs) Also, it's pretty gross to have someone use soot-covered hands to cook food, but that's neither here nor there. We continue. He found the ring that he had slipped onto her finger and tore off her fur cloak then her golden hair toppled down and she was his dearly beloved bride now the cook was richly rewarded okay and the king held the wedding and they lived happily until their death the end <laughs> why was the cook richly rewarded what the hell did he do Apparently he would beat her and deprive her of food. <laughs> they frame it like he was so nice to her because he occasionally gave her leftovers. A little, a little undeserved to reward that guy so much, especially when he thought she was a witch because she cooked bread soup better than him. So, he, you know what? He doesn't seem super stable or even on her side. Clearly, it was going in a dangerous direction if that had carried on. By the way, bread soup sounds sad as hell. Okay, this... Alright, fuck this king. We have to hammer down on this. Fuck this king. He is an asshole who throws his boots at poor girls he finds in the forest? He is a sadistic monster. How does marrying him qualify as a happy ending? I do not trust this guy at all. And wouldn't her father find out, too? He's gonna find out eventually. What's gonna happen then? I definitely don't trust either king... To handle this super well and in the best interest of this poor princess here. Then again, I really don't know what to think of this princess, guys. What what the fuck is her deal? The moment they found her in that tree... She should have been like, I'm actually a princess. I had to escape my father because he wanted to marry me, which is obviously fucked up and insane. And I can prove that I'm a princess because I've got this magic nutshell with the most magnificent dresses you've ever seen. And also these gifts from my fiancé from another kingdom. And then the king would be like, oh, those are my gifts to my fiancé. You're the princess that I'm engaged to. Great. I mean, that again, that's all under the assumption that she doesn't recognize her fiancé. And she definitely doesn't at the beginning. Because otherwise, why wouldn't she just immediately reveal her identity? But then partway through the story, the story just totally changes and acts like she knows everything and is fully aware that this king is her fiancé because why else would she start putting the gifts he gave her into his soup if she didn't know it was him? It's just a weird thing to do. It makes no sense otherwise. But she never tells him. She lives a miserable life, It literally says she lives a miserable life. And he throws boots at her head every night. (laughs) And at no point, while he's throwing boots at her, does she say, Hey, by the way, I'm your fiancé. And she wouldn't even need to say it. All she'd have to do is clean her filthy fucking face. (laughs) In fact, she does everything possible to avoid being found out as who she actually is. But then she also toys with him by putting the ring and spinning wheel into his food. Very mixed messages all around here. Maybe she actually hates him because of all the boot throwing and wants to continue living his offer, but she doesn't want to keep his gifts because she hates him so much, so she's trying to give them back. And then she's still got the dresses and thinks it'd be a waste to never wear them, so really she never wanted to marry the king, she just wanted to dance with the dresses, but that doesn't make sense because she seems to like dancing with him and to want to marry him. They kind of frame it like she wants to marry him. And then it says they lived happily until their death. Man, I love that about these stories. Even the happy endings have to remind you that they all do ultimately die. Just to make sure to put death in your mind one last time, never forget death comes for us all. So she clearly she clearly wanted to marry him, though. So why the fuck did she do everything that she did as all for her? This story, so fucking stupid. And it also involves, we're have we totally blown past this, it involves a father aggressively trying to marry his own daughter. This story just has that unique folktale combination of being both stupid and super fucked up all the way through. Oh, <laughs> uh, alright, so what did we learn from this one, guys? Okay, well... I think an obvious lesson, whether intended or not, is that parents don't always know what's best. In fact, some parents are outright monsters. Another lesson, don't make vague, weird promises just because you want to make the other person happy. Definitely don't make impossible promises just to make the other person happy. It is immediately established that the king's wife is the most beautiful woman in the world, and her hair is more golden than anyone else's. And he agrees to only marry someone who is as beautiful as her with hair as golden as hers. So, right away, we just established that nobody matches up to those metrics. So, what are you doing? Man, it's it's a stupid deal. If she didn't want him to marry again, she could have just told him, promise me you won't marry anyone else again. And even then, he still could have done that. He could have honored that. He didn't have to get married again. They say, like, his counselors urged him to. I don't see why he could have just been like no that it was still an option, and he would have honored the deal he made his deceased wife if he just hadn't gone married. He could have still had sex or gotten a girlfriend. He's king. Do whatever you want. You just don't get married anyway. I, I'm getting bogged down in the particulars of this story again. I could do this all day. The lesson here, though, don't make promises and deals that back you into a corner, and don't agree to something just to make someone happy. Another lesson based on that lesson. If the consequences of breaking a promise or an agreement are better than the consequences of honoring that agreement, break the fucking agreement. There would have been zero negative consequences to the king just marrying whoever the hell he wanted. It would have been fine. Would have been great. Would have been better for everyone. But the negative consequences of honoring the agreement were horrifying. So yeah, break the agreement if it leads to the better outcome man alright last actual lesson just communicate just communicate people if the princess had communicated her situation to literally anyone at any point then everything resolves so much easier and faster for her and probably with way less boot bruises on her head alright so let's adapt this thing man that story was a doozy fucking loved it all right, so this is going to be a movie taking place in modern day. We've got two, two gentlemen thieves who rob banks and museums. They'll be played by Sasha Baron Cohen and Charles Dance. And one of their bank robberies goes south, and the police show up and shoot at them as they escape on a boat. And they get away, but Charles Dance gets shot. And he says, Promise me that you'll never rob a bank again unless the safecracker is as good as me. But, you know, he says it all cool with that awesome Charles Dance voice, which I, I can't even hold a candle to. And Sasha Baron Cohen agrees. He agrees to that promise. So for a long time, he just travels until one day he meets up with an old friend who he used to do small time robberies with back in the day. And this fellow tells him about a young safecracker who's been pulling off some crazy heists lately. And Sasha Baron Cohen gets in touch with this, this young safecracker and finally manages to meet him in an abandoned construction site. And the safecracker will be played by Donald Glover. And Tasha Baron Cohen is like, let's work together. But Donald Glover doesn't know him. So he's like, alright, if you want to work with me, then you've got to prove yourself too. I don't know who you are. You could be a cop. You could be terrible at what you do. So bring me this vase from this museum in London, this painting from a museum in Italy, and cash from this bank in Iceland. And Sasha Baron Cohen manages to, to go to all these places and pull off all these heists. But at each robbery, he kills the guards, or whoever happens to be there at the time. So when he comes back to show these things to Donald Glover, and they meet at the abandoned construction site again, Sasha shows him all the things, and he's very pleased with himself. Like, you see, I, I can get anything, but I'm no safecracker, so if we team up, we'll be unstoppable. But Donald Glover is like, look, I don't, I don't kill people. Man, I don't work like that. I can't work with someone who kills people. You like killed people at every single heist you did. And Sasha Baron Cohen does not take this well. And he's like, "Well, you refuse to work with me, and you're also the only person who knows that I'm responsible for these heists and murders, so now I have to kill you." And this leads to a shootout, and Donald Glover barely manages to escape, and then the rest of the movie is Sasha Baron Cohen trying to find and kill Donald Glover. But Donald Glover has to figure out how to outmaneuver him, so he can't. And he knows he'll have to kill Sasha Baron Cohen, even though it's the one thing he says he'll never do. It's a duel of thieves. Hell, this could be this could even be a TV show, like a high-end drama on HBO, like eight or ten episodes a season. Just give Donald Glover some side characters in his own life. Maybe a girlfriend We've got Sasha Baron Cohen as this gentleman thief gone rogue. And he's got all these former accomplices, some of whom are on his good side and who he likes, and some of whom are on his bad side, who he hates. And it's this game of cat and mouse where Sasha Marin Cohen is after Donald Glover, but Donald Glover is trying to learn about him so that he can outmaneuver him, so he's finding and meeting all of these old thieves and mobsters who who knew Sasha back in the day. But it's dicey because Donald Glover doesn't know if who he's gonna meet with is gonna help him because they don't like Sasha. Or if they're going to turn him in to Sasha to kill him. And maybe he meets a couple of detectives also who've been after him for like decades. And obviously he has to hide his identity at that point. His intentions and the fact that he too is a thief from the detectives when he meets with them. So it's this, it's this game of cat and mouse. Donald Glover trying to outflank Sasha Baron Cohen before Sasha can kill him. Meanwhile, he's still got to do heists for various reasons. Maybe Maybe someone says they'll help him if he does a certain heist. So that, there's a whole lot you could do with this. I'm into it. Let's fucking make this thing. So there we go. That will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled... Oh, God. This is just a nonsense word. Hurly burly butts. Hurly burly butts. It's one word. That's just nonsense. I Who the hell knows what that means? Then again... It's probably a bird. It's probably just a type of bird. It's coming up back next week for hurly-burly boots. Hurly-burly butts? Boots? Who knows? My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.